1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: the irish times business podcast in association with irish life supporting companies and their employees for 75
3: years we know irish life we are irish life
2: Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from The Irish Times. Remember that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. This week our show focuses on the ongoing Tracker Mortgage Scandal. In the second half of the show, you'll hear the views of Cliff Taylor of The Irish Times and David Hall of the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation on statements released on October 25th by the various banks about how and when they plan to compensate customers affected by the scandal. First, I was joined in studio by Dublin woman Marion Kenny, who tells her very personal story about how she was taken off a tracker mortgage by Permanent TSB in two thousand uh, and six. And Marion bought her home in Docky with her then husband in nineteen ninety for one hundred and forty thousand old punts. Uh, unfortunately, the marriage didn't work out; there were divorce proceedings in two thousand, and the house was eventually sold at auction in two thousand and four. And your current story in relation to your mortgage tracker woes begins from there, Marion. You might just uh, start us off from that point.
1: Okay Kieran well yes um that's correct um the house was um forced to go to public auction after our um our divorce proceedings and um unfortunately the auction was on the day I buried my mother which was very traumatic but I had a proxy in who essentially bought the house for me on my behalf um the only reason that this was possible was that um I had a very good financial broker who had already gotten a a sort of approval that I would be lent um, 550,000 on an interest-only basis for the full term of the loan.
2: And that was with permanent TSB? And that
1: was with permanent TSB. Um, And
2: just just to fill in the listeners, if you like, the house actually sold for 900,000 euro, but your loan was for five hundred and fifty.
1: Yes, because I was just simply buying out my ex-husband's share.
2: Sure, okay, And you were interest only. And I just wonder if at the time that might have struck, I presume there was a bullet payment at the end of the loan, at the end of the the loan term, if it was interest only for for the course of the term?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the full loan was fully repayable at the end of term, which hasn't occurred yet.
2: Sure, yeah. But did that strike you as odd at the time?
1: Well, it's, it struck me that I was up. It was a miracle that he had actually obtained this uh, interest only for 21 years because, um, I had said originally that, I mean, the, my whole, the whole emphasis was that I was trying to hold on to the family home to maintain the security for the four children who were all in schools and colleges at the time. And, um, when he came back and said, look, I've got this 21 year term interest only, I thought, you know, It was just incredible. So it was – I knew at one point I said to myself, well, look, at some point along the line you are going to have to sell your house essentially to repay the mortgage. Um, But at the time I I had a short-term view that if I could just simply get my kids through school and college and um, see where I stood at that point – You could reassess I could reassess the situation. Um, So you had
2: a tracker mortgage from Permanent TSB. What rate were you paying?
1: um, I had a tracker mortgage only from, I had a first, the first year was fixed at at quite a small rate. Apparently there was some special rate. The tracker came into being in 2005, late in 2005. It had been renegotiated by the broker, retaining the 21-year interest-only term. Um, Can you remember the rate? I can't actually remember the rate, but I do remember that um, I would have been paying somewhere in the region of about eighteen hundred to, to nineteen hundred euros at the time um, per month. Per month. Um, then, um, given that I had just started my own business, um, I was wearing I was a sole. Um, breadwinner for the four children. I had no maintenance from my ex-husband. Um, I had run up some short-term debt. Um, I'd also received massive legal bills. And I decided that the best option was to go to permanent ESB and try and put all of these short-term loans plus credit card debt, et cetera, into the mortgage. And that was
2: in 2006?
1: That was early 2006, only months after I got my tracker.
2: Okay. And you did that without the advice of a yes. broker? Why? I
1: stupidly, naively... I actually walked past his door. His his office was right beside mine. Um, and I walked past his door because I really genuinely didn't feel that I had anything to worry about, that, that it was a simple matter of asking for a top-up to my original loan and that... Um, you know, there would be no difficulties. Um, now... And
2: did the bank tell you at the time, because they took you off the tracker at that point? Yes. Did they make very clear to you that you were coming Not off the tracker? Not
1: at all. Never. What kind of conversation ever. did you have? Well, this was the point. Um, I met with the manager, I always remember, in a small little office to the front of the Beggar Street building, and... Um, his name was Peter and we discussed it and he said there would be no difficulty. He was particularly happy because um one of the deaths was a short it was a term loan I had with Permanent TSB.
2: Um So you were taking one loan from Permanent TSB effectively to pay off another one. Yeah. A long term one to pay a off long, a short yeah, term loan. Yeah, yeah. How much of a top up were you looking for?
1: Eighty thousand.
2: Eighty thousand, right? Substantial. It so you were, you were you were going over six hundred K at this stage. You were six. I was now 000. at
1: at six thirty, yeah.
2: yeah. Just recount that conversation you had with the manager at the time.
1: My recollection of that conversation was simply, we did not go into detail. Um, It was a question where he was quite cordial, but in a way, looking back, he was quite short with me. Um, It was, yes, we look into this. This should be no problem whatsoever. Um, And I'll come back to you on that. Now, the interesting thing... About that particular meeting was that subsequent to when I realised I was in trouble, that my tracker was gone. I sought my own files from the bank, which I had to pay for, and they did not contain a file from the Baggett Street branch. We asked at this stage Pat, Patrick Kassan was in, involved in my situation, and we asked for a reason as to why there was no record on file read the um, the Beckett Street branch and the, the uh, creation of the new loan, um, we actually have a letter on file from the manager saying that he took no notes during that um, conversation, he did not write down any report, and that everything that was happened after that was on an oral basis. So there was no written evidence of... Mm what was said or what was not said at that meeting.
2: It's quite remarkable. It's my you, you understanding
1: about- that they never, ever mentioned the fact that they would take me off my tracker. And not, not only that, but they actually took me off my interest only uh, for the term of the loan. They, they reversed it to a five-year interest only loan. Now, had they even mentioned that to me, I mean, the alarm bells would have rung because there was no way I was ever going to be able to afford the loan. They actually put me on.
2: And again, because this is obviously before the crash, but can you remember what the interest rate was when you were moved off the tracker? Did the interest rate go up or go down no, or go it, sideways? It, it was
1: funny. I, I th- As far as I can remember, the the um, the variable rate and the tracker rate were somewhere in the lines for quite a number of years. And I think it was early 2011. I'm afraid I don't have any of my files. Porrick still has them, but... I think it was early 2011, and I got a notification from the bank that they would increase my mortgage um, by 1%, an increase in rate of 1%, which brought it up over another 700 per month. And I went immediately down to my bank in Dorkey, my AIB bank, uh, where the manager there was uh, had become very helpful towards me. And she basically, at that point, clarified for me that what they seemed to have done was instead of what most banks would have done, at, or all banks basically would have done at the time, was either roll the top up into the original mortgage, which would have been a tracker mortgage for the entire loan, or give me a second loan mm. on a different contract.
2: Given this was before the crash, do you think this was a, in your opinion, do you think it was a deliberate move by permanent TSB to Absolutely. take you off the tracker? Or was it simply just, you know, something that happened perhaps you know, without any great thought on anybody's part?
1: No. No, I think it was an absolute deliberate um, act on their part. Um, I believe that for many years they'd recognised that the trackers were um, were a losing product, um, that they had done their sums all wrong and that they were trying everything, particularly around 2006, because I've heard of a lot of, through Porig, a lot of people were affected from 2006.
2: Sure, I should say that Parikh Kassan is an independent uh, investment advisor and he's been acting for a lot of people who are in similar situations to yourself in relation to this tracker scandal. So it was in 2011 that you noticed you'd come off the the tracker. I suppose, look, some people might say, you know, how come it took you five years to realise this?
1: Let me go back slightly. Because the monies that I was borrowing were going towards paying off short-term debt, um, the bank insisted that My um, documents go to my lawyer because she had to confirm with the banks that this money was actually being used to discharge that debt. So, therefore, I mean, as I said, yes, in retrospect, I feel very stupid. But at that time, I was under massive stress. Um, I was looking after four children um, solely, financially, and I was running my own business. Um, I was not acting in a professional capacity, and as far as I was aware, my mortgage was be- was being paid. There was no huge difference in the um, in the interest rates, and it wasn't until, as I said, that one percent increase in the interest mm. rate. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, immediately, she uh, looked at my case and she said, "Marion, they've done something that is completely irregular." um instead of giving you as i said the uh the original uh, option of either rolling it into the original mortgage or giving you a second mortgage on new terms they've basically rewritten the entire loan into a variable mortgage on a interest rate mm. basis for the first 5 years what did you do at that point at that point i um <laughs> i was absolutely um astonished um annoyed. I immediately started um, correspondence with the bank. I actually stopped the direct debit and started paying what I believed was the amount I should be paying. What was the
2: difference? Maybe let's just uh, chat about that because I understand you're paying a rate of four and a half percent now on a mortgage of €670,000. Yes. Um, So it's gone up again, uh, obviously, since that is that because of arrears?
1: Yes, I, I okay. ran into arrears of over, I think, 37,000 and they've added on interest, so brought it up to about 40,000, yes.
2: Okay, and you you reckon you're paying about 700 euro more per month um, than you would have been paying had you remained on your original tracker. I well, no,
1: I've actually worked out. I mean, at that point in 11, it went up by 700 euros immediately, but... Looking backwards, if I if I were to even count an average of a, a differential of three percent between the uh, ECB tracker rate and the um, the variable rate over all the years, um, I would say I am. Um, if you multiply six hundred seventy thousand by three percent, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Roughly twenty thousand a year.
2: Yeah, that's what you're you're paying. Yeah, more than more you, you than should, I feel you I should you be should be paying, paying yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Um, so, what was the
2: bank's response when you contacted them?
1: Um, I was in correspondence with the banks and by telephone on numerous occasions with absolutely no um, proper response, really. I mm. mean, I got, I was just told that the contract that had been written had, was was viable, was, was valid and that um, that was the end of it. Um, it was at that point that um, Porik Hassan came into my life. What year was that? Uh, that would have been around, I'd imagine, 2000, late 2011, 12.
2: And in 2013, you took your case to the financial ombudsman?
1: Yeah, we we spent a lot of time. I mean, Porik was superb. Um, I can't t- thank him enough for all the effort he's put into my case and to the other Gosh knows how many people. But he wrote a very, very um, in-depth, knowledgeable um, report to the Ombudsman. Um, He pointed out, for instance, that because my original mortgage was uh, organized through a broker, the uh, bank were obliged to advise me to go back to my broker.
2: And they didn't, obviously.
1: And they never did. No.
2: Now, in spite of that, the ombudsman actually turned your case down. Uh, You took it to the high court, and that Mm. was rejected as well.
1: Yes, the ombudsman turned my case, but again, um, I feel that uh, a lot of questions need to be answered there regarding the the ex ombudsman. Um, I mean, I we 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 put in detailed reports. I mean, and I'm talking about two, three, four large files of reports, statistics, dates. Um, figures, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we got no real response until one day, in desperation, I called the office of the Ombudsman and literally within three days, um, I had a a letter on my desk saying that I had been denied. It appeared to me absolutely that no real um, attention had been paid to the detail as supplied to them. Um, What about the High
2: Court? Because... You know, one would imagine that the High Court would get give everybody a fair hearing and a detailed hearing. Y- your case also fell down in the High Court, didn't it?
1: Again, um, yeah. Um, this was yet another massive disappointment because um, I knew my I, I I knew I was right in what had happened. I knew I was telling the truth and I knew what should be done. He refused my case on two issues. One that I was relying on an oral contract which okay. was basically saying that mm. I was relying on the fact that the um, the agreement I believed I had was the oral agreement I had with the manager in Bagot Street. And two, that um, I should have asked for an oral hearing. I had never, ever been told I had any right to an oral hearing. Um, I'd never heard about it before. I'd been asked if I could, if I would agree to mediation, but the banks refused to mediate. So on both those counts, my legal team decided that the judge had erred in law, they were prepared to bring on a senior counsel and to go to the Supreme Court pro bono. Um, But at that stage, I'm afraid, I just lost hope. Mm. Um, your health,
2: passed. Your you had some health issues. My as health well, was hadn't...
1: massively, massively impacted. Um, and the I was stress diagnosed with post traumatic stress syndrome. Um, I've had to work through all of it because being self employed, um, one can't just take time off. Um, but, um, and don't get me wrong, I love my work, but I was working solidly to just literally earn the money to pay the mortgage. Sure. Um, any so
2: what's the position now, Marion? I mean, have you had any satisfaction at any level from permanent TSB? Given everything that's happened over the last couple of years, they had their failure in 2015 that they, they put their hands up to and we have this uh, mortgage tracker examination, which the central bank ordered in December 2015. Have you tried to get your case heard under that process?
1: I've continued to ask Boric on a regular basis, he writes to the uh, permanent TSB asking, have you yet identified Marion Kenney as being one of those victims and has no response? Um, so you had no satisfaction? No. And when the um, when the case that was heard in the High Court in 2015, what was most interesting for me was the um, central bank's investigation into the permanent TSB post that case was that one of their main failures... Was actually not notifying their customers of how they were being taken off their tracker rates. Yeah. So, um, to be honest, I was because I had arrears. I was being absolutely on a daily basis being harassed and bullied by sure. the bank with telephone calls, letters, etc. I made three attempts to make um, an arrangement with them to capitalise the uh, arrears. So, in essence, I was actually grovelling and begging the bank to help me to capitalise arrears that they themselves had actually caused in the first place. Um,
2: um, now, we don't have permanent TSB here to, to, to answer to all of this, and I suspect they wouldn't anyway because they would probably say that they, they don't speak to individual cases, uh, don't speak publicly at least uh, to individual cases. But um, you owe 670000 on the mortgage now. Is, is selling the house, is selling the property an option for you? Would you make a profit?
1: No, hardly. I mean, on a, on a great day, I might make about two fifty.
2: Right.
1: And that's not going to get me anywhere.
2: Sure.
1: I have a son living at home still, um, so it would mean having to try and find accommodation for both myself and my son. Right.
2: So where, where to uh, for you from here?
1: Well, I mean, that's the point. I mean, people ask me, you know, um, what about retirement? I mean, I can't even go there, you mm. know. Um, I'm 63 years old now. I've lost the capacity during all the last decade to save towards my retirement. I have a very small, tiny pension pot that I've managed to gather together, um, but that uh, you know, it's nothing. It's not you, going to. It's not going to give me any 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 real um, living standard. Sure, and Marion,
2: how do you feel when you see the bankers uh, walking into the Department of Finance for addressing dressing down? Supposedly from the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donahue, and you hear uh, the central bank speaking about how they're being thorough in their investigation and enforcement actions and so forth. How do you feel when you hear all of that? And how do you feel about the banks?
1: At the moment, um, I'm afraid to say I'm still extremely um, untrusting of the banks. I don't see that they have... I mean, they talk about name and shaming them. You need to have a conscience to be shamed. Um, I think what's happening at the moment is fantastic insofar as that the media and people like David Hall, Puri Kassan, etc. have brought this through and out into public. But for our government to talk about just fining them or increasing the levy, I mean, a couple of hundred thousand is only a few days profit for them. Um, I think the two fingers are just mm. to the banks. They don't seem to have any code of ethics I was researching um in the u k after the massive scandal over there regarding um you know the um incorrect selling etc they brought in a an act in two thousand and thirteen which essentially makes each manager of a bank responsible for what they do and how they behave and um we lack any form of uh, Regulation in that part. I mean, I was thinking about this last night after the um, the dirt inquiry. It was really the Revenue Commissioners that actually um, managed somehow to get the banks to regulate themselves on that issue and to get the money back for the for yep. the Exchequer. I don't know that the central bank is in a position to do what we need to do. Um, I I don't know what the government is. Capable of doing. I mean, they can. Um, they seem to be able to, to to call on the banks to remedy the situation, but they don't seem to have any uh, form of, of of demanding it.
2: And you have about what ten years left on your mortgage?
1: Very roughly, yeah.
2: So what's your what's your plan when I have when no the term plan? Is up you, I mean, to I, I, it's, it's
1: too scary to even think about. Um, you know, I, I really genuinely don't think about it because. Um, I mean, I I can't imagine myself as an 80 year old sitting doing text returns, <laughs> but um, I genuinely it's 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 an issue that that does every now and again raise its ugly head. But I just for the moment, I hope I've always hoped, I've always maintained that someday <clears throat> this would actually come out in public, and it's taken this whole ten years. I started off in 2006. It's now 2017. Um, it's taken over a decade for this to become more public and I just I suppose I have a very um, naive wish and hope that my tracker will be restored that I will be compensated for all the money that they've taken from me and that somehow or other that I will be in a position to retire with some form of um, savings behind me Um But otherwise, for the moment, it looks like I'd be relying solely on a social welfare pension.
2: Okay, Marion. all we can do, unfortunately, is just wish you luck with that. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We're going to take a short break now. When we return, I'll be talking about the tracker scandal with Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times and David Hall of the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need
3: to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to IrishLifeEmpower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated
2: by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life, June 2015. Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Let me remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts. I'm joined in studio now by Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times and David Hall of the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation to discuss the latest developments in the tracker mortgage scandal. Okay, gentlemen, thank you for joining us in studio. Cliff Taylor, it's been an interesting day on the Tracker Mortgage Front. We've had days and days now of unhappiness on the part of the Central Bank, on the part of the Minister for Finance and on the part of customers, banking customers, as to how the banks have been dragging out this whole settlement of this Tracker Mortgage issue. We've had this examination underway since December 2015. Today, all of the banks, having met the Minister earlier in the week, they've all put out statements Mm. to tell us precisely where they're at uh, with their redress programmes and to tell us when you know how many customers have been affected and when they expect these programs to be completed Bring, give us a, a around the houses uh, give us a round the house view of, of what was said by the various banks
4: yeah i mean we had a I, I guess a coordinated series of statements from the minister the banks and the central bank and i guess it was clear after the meetings recently uh, and the fuss after the the Araxes Committee hearing where, uh, last week—that you know something something has to happen and there had to be some way to bring a conclusion to this phase of the of the controversy. So, the minister came out first. He said, "Look, very unhappy with the way the banks have handled this. Uh, Disgraceful,
2: it, I think was the word yeah, he used was, in terms yeah, of their behaviour,
4: uh, and uh, shameful." And uh, he said, "Look, they've all apologised to their customers now, and they've all committed to me that they will that most of the people already identified will be repaid." By Christmas, and uh, now there are some exceptions to that. For example, Ulster Bank seem to have uh, a difficulty in their in their systems, and they're going to take a bit longer. They'll only have a thousand people out of three thousand five hundred repaid by Christmas. Uh, bank of Ireland are committing to have all the uh, customers that they've so far identified uh, repaid by Christmas. So we, so, we saw statements from all the banks going through their numbers and going through uh, those commitments of repayment. And then we saw, I think, an interesting statement from the central bank. Uh, which obviously welcomed these commitments, but you know has has a touch of scepticism about it in, in in terms of of the real uh, the real commitment, I suppose, of the banks to, to follow through on this. And I just give you the the statement uh, in the name of Philip Lane, uh, the governor of the central bank. He said, uh, and I quote: "While we note the commitment of the banks to meet the requirements of the central bank and government." Given some lenders' past behaviour, the central bank is under no illusion that this will require continued and concerted pressure to ensure all affected customers receive redress and compensation. So so pretty strong statement. And I think it's clear there's been a lot of damage in the relationship between the banks and the central bank on this issue. Uh, the banks have been fighting. Mm. They've been dragging their heels. Uh, but hold
2: on! Does the central bank not have a, a case to answer? Maybe this is one for you, uh, David Hall. Does the regulator have a case to answer here? I mean, first of all, let's let's think back over the past ten years. You know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of balls dropped, I suppose, by regulators uh, back. You know, around the time of the crash. But even I mean, they set up this examination in two thousand and fifteen. It might be the view of some people that really they haven't been sufficient, sufficiently aggressive. With the banks, they've just let them set the timetable, as it were, in terms of completing this review. And here we are two years later and so many people still haven't received any compensation. It's actually actually technically three years, because if you go back earlier in
3: 2015, in 2015, Permanent B took a case uh, to the Supreme Court where they're appealing a case they lost to the High Court, which they had previously lost with the Ombudsman. The Supreme, the Supreme Court case was listed and the Central Bank intervened. So the Central Bank had been for a number of months working with Permanent TSB. In August, Permanent TSB released their confession.
2: August, uh, sorry, I think it was July 2015, actually. 15 July. Yeah. They released it um, at the end of 1372 July. 1,372 customers impacted. In, in September,
3: I wrote to the governor, then Honan, and looked for a, re- for a redress scheme and an investigation. The Iraqis Committee on Finance, to be fair, the week, following week supported uh, my request for an investigation. In December, the examination was launched. So they had already been there for a year, Kieran, mm-hmm. the, the central bank had seen this in permanent TSB and had worked with them and approved the redress scheme and the modelling was done. So they had the entire modelling done with permanent TSB. They'd been there for 12 months. They knew what was going on. They knew what was going on elsewhere. One of the biggest concerns I have in looking at the response of government today is like, you know, if you witness a crime uh, and you don't do something about it, you're effectively a party to it. And there comes a time when someone raises a question with you as to do something about it. Like, this was all huff and puff last week by Minister Donoghue. The massive expectation for thousands of people around the country today that there was a new sheriff in town who was going to take the banks to task. Last Thursday, the Philip Lane was before the Oireachtas Committee and I think everyone lost confidence in the central bank's ability to control the banks. As Cliff has said, the statement today is concerning with the relationship that exists between the two parties. But Philip Lane's statement outside the Department of Finance on Monday, to my mind, summarises all of this, which was, he hopes the banks will be fair and reasonable with customers whom
2: they've stolen And that moral suasion could be brought to bear and so forth. Now, I think the Central Bank would argue that there was a gap in its powers prior to 2013. Uh, and so since 2013, I think it feels it has the powers to actually deal with any cases that have emerged since then. But that prior to that, they're really depending on the, the banks no, no, to play no, ball. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. But let's go with 2013. And I'm not great at maths. 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17. They had the powers. Philip Lane was asked last Thursday, before the Iraqist Committee, Pierce already asked him, do you have adequate powers, Governor? Do you need power? No, I have the powers. Hmm. So what happened why, you know, I can understand if the central bank was unaware what was going on, but I really find they're completely conflicted in this when they went into permanent TSB and they were out of the blocks first, having done six months or longer with permanent TSB. That's two years ago. Everyone is got to remember very clearly. This didn't just happen last week. This wasn't the sure. first
2: it was found now, out in the doctors committee. We should also say the banks aren't here. Right. So I've got to I've got to, to play the role of devil's advocate, if, if you like. Uh, I thought uh, AAB's statement was quite um, quite interesting. It details uh, the analysis that they've undertaken from the beginning of this. They said that 650,000 accounts were were looked at. There was a manual review of 50,000 accounts and they found 30 different uh, cohorts of impacted customer groups. So clearly and obviously ultimately, you know, nearly 3,500 uh, customers have been identified as, as being impacted. Uh, and they've set aside £190 million, um, to cover the costs of, of this whole thing. That gives us some sense that this was a complex issue. Maybe this is one for you, Cliff. Mm. This was a complex issue and um, that was going to take some time, but maybe shouldn't have taken this length of time.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was never going to be sorted out overnight. It's, uh, there, there, there are, as you say, all kinds of different cases appear to have been involved in this. People who were moved from fixed rate to trackers, people who were... Put back on a tracker rate, but the rate was too high. People who were denied a tracker rate, people who moved house, all kinds of different uh, affairs, and there's, and there's huge numbers of mortgage holders involved. So you're right, and it was it was a hugely but, difficult period. But you know, nonetheless, it. I think on any criteria, this 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 has just taken way too long, and it seems to have just uh, between the banks and the central bank, you know, whatever, whoever you blame, over the last year and a half, two years, it just seems to have bubbled along, in kind of. F- over and back between the two sides, legal correspondence, disputing who's involved and who's not involved and no real kind of push to get this sorted from the consumer's point of view because we've seen all the case studies and we've seen the hardship that people have been put through. You know, the biggest expense that people have is, yeah. most people have yeah. is their mortgage. And, sure. And, uh, Pascal
2: Dunham might argue that he's only in the ministry, uh, he's only minister for finance a short time yeah. uh, since Leo Varadkar became Taoiseach when he had that sort of uh, changing of the baton uh, in yeah. Fianna Gael. Um, so, is, does Michael Noonan have a case to answer here as well? Was he too soft on, on the banks, not c- putting them to task over this? And Patrick Honahan, as David uh, mentioned, Patrick O'Neahan was governor of the central bank when this whole yeah. issue blew up with Permanent yeah. TSB. I,
4: I, they were the people in the responsible positions, so oh yes, and, and the people who were, you know, the predecessors of the current chief executives in the banks. You know, this 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 was let fester uh, and, and let get worse. And I think part of the outcome of that, part of the What's that going to mean now? It's going to mean the banks, this is going to cost the banks a lot more because they are now going to be pushed uh, to provide more in compensation to people and to include more people, uh, you know, to give people the benefit of the doubt in terms of in terms of cases, because the only way they're going to get through this now, you know, in terms of the central bank examination and the pressure from the government is to you know, is to be seen to do the right thing and to, to be seen to go beyond, I suppose, what they might even be legally or morally obliged to do in terms of customers.
3: Yeah. but The, the cases that you mentioned earlier on, um, Kieran, their case is currently identified you know, I'm not confident that they are the only cases. And Well, I was going to come
2: on to that because there was a story in the on the front of the Irish Times um, this morning, uh, this morning being Wednesday, and it basically said that there are thousands of AIB fixed rate mortgage customers who may have been unfairly excluded from its tracker mortgage redress uh, scheme contrary to the guidelines set down by the Central Bank of Ireland. And the number of this uh, issue is that there were a bunch of people who were on fixed rate mortgages and actually they were offered three options uh, potentially when they came off that fixed rate. One of those was a, a tracker mortgage And these people, they feel, certainly, uh, the people impacted feel that they were uh, wrongly denied uh, a tracker rate. And not only that, but they've also been wrongly excluded from AIB's uh, process. And I should say that AIB haven't yet commented on this story.
3: Yeah, but that that sort of stuff is worrying because we've just discussed the complexity of this, Mm. which people have to acknowledge is complex. We've discussed the length of time. We've discussed a phenomenal amount of people that AIB in their statement have said the number of uh, mortgage accounts they reviewed. But surely... This type of situation, and this is fundamental to this issue, because there's many people who are not yet been contacted by the banks who believe rightly and wrongly. Some are mm-hmm. wrong in their interpretation. They actually believe that they're affected by this, such as this article in, the, in your
2: paper today. So, you know, this is not Dominic Coyle, who wrote the piece, uh, believes that up to nine no, and a half thousand customers might and be and by the way, I think he's right. And that's just AIB. No, I think
3: he's right. I think if you look at the general terms and conditions of AIB's um, uh, contracts, that's in there even for fixed rate customers.
2: I actually believe there's a problem. By the way, if somebody, if somebody feels that they were denied a tracker rate and they're getting no satisfaction from the bank involved, what should they do? Where well, should they go? First of all, they need to send a
3: data protection letter. So it's very, very important. Making a phone call to the bank and saying, Harry, I think we should have had a tracker doesn't wash it anymore. It's €6.35, make it out to the data protection uh, officer of the individual bank, put your mortgage number on the account and literally say, I'd like everything belonging to me under this account number sent to me. Then you need to go make an appointment with a solicitor. And it is a legal interpretation as to where they stand in relation to their contract. And they can do that to ourselves, they can do that to a number of solicitors all over the country, poor and many others who've been at this a long, long time have experience of doing that. But there's no point in thinking. And there are people, unfortunately, There are many people, and I've got a euro for the amount of emails I've gotten for somebody who thought there was a moral obligation, how they thought there was a moral obligation upon a bank to offer them a tracker. At the time, tracker was the same as variable, so it would have gone under the radar for many people. But some people are affected that have not yet been identified. Some people, sadly, will not be affected where they might have believed they're affected. But the only way to do this, Karen, really is go straight to your bank, get your file and have it professionally reviewed. Don't leave anything up to interpretation. It's too important. But because of that, I'm not confident today that we have the numbers that have been mentioned are the only numbers that at the end of this scandal, they will be the ones only affected.
2: Cliff,
4: Yeah, I think this is a, a really important point politically as well as uh, you know, obviously for the customers involved. But I mean, the minister needed a result today. And, and, you know, fair enough, his his pressure does seem to have led the banks to relent uh, to some extent anyway. But we have this big outstanding issue of how many more people do we not know about? Uh, are the banks giving the and central bank... That's not bank addressed anywhere
2: really in this. I mean, there's
4: talk that there might be more impact to customers. Yeah, but it, it, it's not... It, the it's scale part, of it isn't really it's, addressed. It's alluded to and there is a comment in the central bank uh, statement uh, that they are now confident that the banks are, are looking at what they call groups of customers who may be affected. So they are, for example, the I, I presume the the, the fixed-rate mortgage people in the AIB and various other mm. groups of customers who the banks may previously have, have disputed. Uh, the central bank now seems confident that they would at least look at those. But, you know, the minister has kicked the can down the road a bit here till Christmas on the central bank as well. Uh, and there's going to be this, the governor of the central bank has to go back to the minister in the middle of December to give him a report uh, and is he going to say, it's, it's going to be a bit like the Brexit talks, Kieran. Is there going to be a judgment that sufficient progress has been made by Christmas or not? When the governor of the central bank goes into the minister in the middle well, of he's December. Well, he's, he's threatened new legislation. He uh, has threatened uh, legislation. He's threatened to be an obstreperous, sh- obstreperous, sorry, shareholder in the banks. And to look at the tax. And uh, to look at taxes and to look at the bank levy, which is due to, to run until 2021, yeah. but could be increased or could be or could be lengthened. And that would be... Uh, you know that would be a difficulty for the bank. So, so there are things that that, that can be done, but I think this is this is a really tricky issue because and, and the government ne- the government needs this to be to mm. be clear by December that the governor that the governor is going and saying we believe there are X thousand more affected and they're going to be repaid by next March or next June or whatever sure. if this is still all, all up in the air but, by then this is, but this it, is really it, going you know, to go David he's also
2: called for a report <clears throat> from the central bank on culture
3: and behaviour yeah good luck with that so I think one of the if you just go back to Cliff's <laughs> point though which is very very important here like Cliff's narrative is 100% correct but it's deeply worrying when you're saying the central bank has asked the banks to report to them like in a normal society after what we've been through and you opened by asking me what happened 10 years ago when customers have been stolen from and this behavior and words that I would have used two and a half years ago here and elsewhere where people were very uncomfortable when those words were used around tracker and um, mortgage stuff and now being used daily by everybody involved and freely accepted when you're asking a bank to do something under those circumstances when you've all been dragged kicking and stream, screaming towards the minister's office and why hasn't central bank sent its staff over to go look themselves why are the banks determining
2: compensation? On what grounds is a bank? Well, I know at one point, I don't know how many people they have working on it at the moment, but I did a report probably about a year ago. It was based on Governor Lane's appearance in front of the Octus Finance Committee. It was in December 2016, where basically he said that there were seven staff members in the central bank dealing with the tracker issue. Seven out of, I don't know, they must have the guts of a couple of thousand staff. The ni- 1,900 staff. They, the banks, by comparison, to give you an example, the top
3: four or five banks, and don't forget, to be fair to those five banks, there are others in the periphery who've not been caught here. There's question marks over. Former banks who've closed and sold to vulture funds. What happens to those trackers? Irish Nationwide and so forth, yeah.
2: There's a bunch of there. They have something like 1,300 staff working on this. The banks have thirteen hundred staff. Yes. Right? No, I should say that obviously we they have these reviews being carried out by um, auditing firms at Lyft, don't they? Yes. Uh, who are I, I suppose reporting to the central bank, and you yeah. would hope that they're independent. And, and but, and but all they were They didn't spot the stuff that's in the front of your paper today. They
3: haven't spotted stuff that some of the banks have declared. You've got two banks that the bank, the central bank, had to throw them under the bus before Thursday to say two banks didn't cooperate with us. This yeah. is the regulator and the consumer protection component of the of the uh, central bank. How the minister has said today he's happy with the consumer protection component staying within the central bank is absolutely bizarre. Yeah. It is absolutely bizarre.
2: Cliff this is going to cost the banks hundreds of millions of euros. Yeah. Some of that, a lot of that, is taxpayers' money. Uh, let's face yeah. it; you know, it's, it's uh, from our shareholders in AB, Permanent TSB, and Bank of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a scandal. People have lost their homes. People have suffered undue stress. The, you know ratios uh, probably uh, broken up, etc. Our <laughs> um, heads going to roll?
4: Uh, not clear. They are, Kieran. And I guess if you're looking back at a, at, at the history of Irish banks, uh, the suggestion would be would be no uh did anyone's head roll over the foreign exchange overcharging scandal you not know, until I'm aware of uh, even when the banks went bust you know okay eventually there were changes to the to the to the boardrooms and the chief executives, but they took time, and uh, a lot of them were
2: well compensated on leaving the banks and,
4: and and they were all well compensated on on leaving the banks. you're right, so you know I don't think the central bank has even got in its investigation to looking at how these decisions were made, who might have been responsible yeah. Uh, whether there was you know tick between the banks or between the or within banks uh, did this come from board level did it come from chief executive level? you know the background is that it became hugely unprofit- unprofitable because of the cost of raising funds for the banks to to, to offer these trackers uh, and they moved uh, you know to hustle people off off track off tracker rates
3: and, and also by the way there 's a cohort of people who've had the mortgages restructured, and
2: as a result of restructuring the mortgage, the tracker was taken from them mm mm-hmm. So and David we've had uh, the central mm-hmm. bank has sort of uh you know suggested well it has said that it has spoken to the guards on a couple of occasions uh, which so I
3: spoke to the guards it's great crack as well
2: yeah it suggests perhaps that there might be some uh, criminal element to this you you mentioned uh, theft. Pierce Doherty has, has been talking I'm about that for, for a long far, time yeah.
3: uh, as well so but it's even worse so let, let's forget your definition but are the guards know? going to do anything not about a, this a, have you any chance we have here. Be the best chance we have here at uh, the best things at the moment is to enter the banks in the synchronised swimming competition in the next Olympics because we'd win wholeheartedly between everything that's happened from the day one in those boardrooms All contracts for all 14 or 15 institutions were interpreted the same. Trackers were dispensed with at the same. Everyone was treated identically, all 300,000, by all institutions at the same time. Um, They took all the various actions. They've uh, obscured everything they humanly can with the central bank. And today, just the final nail in the whole thing, they all issued statements within half an hour of each other. Um, Like, you don't get any worse than that. There's nothing sure in the world. I don't believe in miracles. And and if anyone who does, this is a miracle. It is an absolute miracle of life that you've got a bunch of banks who interpreted in their favour. All banks, all of them, not one. Nobody turned around. Every single one of them objected. Every single one of them fought this. Two things could have happened today, Kieran, that didn't happen. That's deeply disappointing customers who were affected and we all know the customers were affected that redress scheme and the money being paid and the compensation is still in control of the banks there should have been a third party independent redress scheme like the hepatitis C or something of that nature where if the bank wants to um, object to compensation set on a case by case basis they, they are the ones who can take this case to court and the consumer protection component of the central bank should have been removed and it's pathetic and all the politicians who huffed and puffed, all of them every single one of them have known about it for two and a half years, they huffed and puffed to join in the media scrum for the last two and a half weeks and all of a sudden today, banks shot the sheriff and everyone will go silent.
2: Unacceptable. Well, I was going to ask you what you do if you're a minister for finance, but I think you've answered that question now. (laughs) Cliff, where where does this go from here?
4: Well, I guess the banks uh, will be hoping it goes quiet for a while, uh, and I suppose it might do. I think we're still going to be hearing about people affected. Uh, I think there's still going to be a lot of media attention on people affected and people who've been hit by this. Um, but you know, there's no doubt that the, the minister and the central bank have just kicked the can down the road here by a couple of months. Uh, I think we are going to see people who have been identified already. You know, there is no question but that they're going to get their money back now uh, in a reasonably short period of time. Now, long overdue, long overdue as it may be, but most of them will be. Re- How much are you paid by Christmas? I don't know the average figure. I don't know. But if miraculously today,
3: it's very funny. Uh, Ultrabank decided that 50 grand was the compensation yeah. uh, by pure coincidence and pure fluke that it happened to be the same as permanent TSB for those whose houses they took. 23 people have lost their homes as a result of this. We have about seven. A number of banks have written to us in the last week where we had exchanges of correspondence. The first one has been offered back their house now with the debt written off if they take the mortgage from AIB. If they take the mortgage at the same time uh, at the value of the house and the person is unable to afford to do that so we're going to have to negotiate an alternative there but I always asked every quarter Kieran, when we spoke about the mortgage arrears figures every quarter there was a line in the central bank report that always confused me and that mm. was the number of homes that had been repossessed abandoned and vacated that were held in the possessions of the banks let's see how many of them have a tracker flag beside it because I think- guarantee you there's well over 100
2: Really, right, okay. And obviously, if you lose your home, I mean, my God, it's such a distressing thing you know, to happen but, in your life. But one
3: of the important parts about losing your home is, apart from all the obvious parts to it, when you have a crisis and an emergency, you tend to deal with the most badly affected first. They de- dealt with the people who had the small modification in their tracker rate. They're, they still have those houses. When this house particularly has about 30 grand's worth of damage done to it because it's been left vacant for two and a half years. Well, what happened there? So mm. why didn't the first thing you come out of the traps as a consumer protection organisation like Central Bank and say, how many of those houses do you still have? Mm. Can we put them back into their houses? No, 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 no. We leave them till the end.
2: That, in summary, is the Central Bank's consumer protection code and the banks. Yeah, Cliff, just in uh, the case of the Bank of Ireland the new chief executive, she only started this month, uh, Francesca McDonough. She's come over from the uh, from HSBC and so she's an outsider and she seems to have taken personal responsibility uh, for resolving this. She said, I unreservedly apologise to all impacted customers for the fin- financial loss and anxiety this has caused them and their families and it's personal priority of hers to mm-hmm. sort this matter out which is kind of a slightly different tack to that taken by uh, Bank of Ireland under Richie Boucher's yeah. time when they were very reluctant to give figures, very reluctant to say how much it might cost, very reluctant to say when all of this might be resolved.
4: Yeah, I think as it makes sense for a new chief chief executive coming in, uh, you know, Francesca Bidona has seen the writing on the wall. This needs to be sorted out. Uh, Otherwise, Bank of Ireland is going to be fighting with the Minister for Finance, which is still a significant shareholder, and fighting with the central bank. uh, And and remember that uh, the banks, the big banks are now regulated from Europe. Uh, by the single supervisory mechanism, which is part of the ECB, so so they need a good relationship with the local central bank as part of that whole thing. So so I think she has sensibly seen the writing on the wall. Yeah. Do and, investors and,
2: care about this? Because that's where you might get at the banks.
4: In in financial terms, it's not it's 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 significant, but not enormous from 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 an investor point of view. Uh, but I think if this was to go on much longer, you know, you're you're starting to get into reputational damage for the banks. Uh, If the Minister for Finance, for example, starts turning up at the Bank of Ireland AGM and voting against resolutions or putting down resolutions, I think that's the kind of thing that gets very messy from an investor point of view and he's threatened to do that and I think... You know, that is a sensible, that was a sensible strategy from his point of view. And I understand that point was made very clearly, in particular to Bank of Ireland yeah. uh, during during the during the last few days.
2: David, uh, we had a story earlier in the week saying that there, there could be ultimately 30,000 people who were impacted uh, by this. What's your view on that? Oh, more than that,
3: like impacted, like these are loans. Don't forget that the banks don't do human. They do loans and loan account numbers. The, the human cost, this is 100,000 people, if you include family and siblings, Uh, Yeah,
2: 30,000 accounts. You could be right. It could be be 100,000 people. people, But in terms of accounts, do you think that number could actually rise? Yeah, I
3: know. I think think it'll come close to 30,000, I think. There's going to be a mother and father of a ding-dong of all proportion to clarify matters in your paper today and to clarify people who believe they're on a tracker. that This is not going to be easy. This is going to be very, very difficult. And I think Minister Donahue will regret his actions today. And I actually think Governor Lane will regret his actions of last Thursday, Monday and today. Because the number of people that has been impacted on the long... People have felt a sort of a psychological release by the political and the media attention on this, which has allowed them nearly on a counselling session. They've been suppressed for eight years. This has had a massive impact on them. This is not just something that just happened in the last two and a half weeks or even two and a half years. This has had a massive impact on them. And many people, um, I think, have been so badly impacted by this. The cost for this is going to be way higher than anyone actually thinks
2: and finally david and quickly if you don't mind uh, for you know the tracker scandal is the one that's kind of uh, on our agenda at the moment but uh, for a number of years uh, after the crash the mortgage arrears was all everybody wants to talk about. Um, and you've been very involved as a consumer advocate in relation to that, as indeed has the IMHO. Where are we at in terms of uh, mortgage arrears in Ireland now? 72,000
3: accounts still in arrears. The central Bank and the bank say they've done 120,000 restructures, which is remarkable in itself because it was never 120,000 people in arrears. But they're all multiple accounting jobs. So if you do a six-month extension, that's one. You do another six-month, that's two. Um, so we have 32,000 people in arrears of more than two years. Um, 20,000 of them, in my view, will lose their homes. Uh, and, you know, this is going to get very ugly. ECB is threatening new rules for the first quarter next year on their capital uh, allowances for the banks for non-performing loans. It's all about non-performing loans. All the city um, organisations are getting themselves ready to advise banks. Many are in looking at loans. I think you'll find permanent TSB first will sell by to let's followed by AIB, followed by Ulster Bank will sell family homes again. And then vultures are circling. Vultures are licking their lips and clipping their nails and getting ready for the next round, which ultimately is going to be a savaging of family homes because the ECB is going to punish them so hard. And the no joined up thinking, no coordinated approach between housing, uh, the finance and the central bank. And there is going to be blood on the dance floor. And we're trying to intercept the vultures stick them on a preferably uncancelled flight out of Ryanair and try and see is there an alternative to buying those loans. Similar to the iCare model we've done with the mortgage rent, see can we do the same with family home loans, whereby Daddy Vulture would buy the loan for 100 grand but evict the person. We were trying to restructure the loan at no cost to the state because some people in the mortgage arrears can pay something Mm -hmm. not enough to restructure the loan that satisfied the bank and the central bank.
2: All right. That sounds like a topic for a future uh, podcast. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining me, Cliff Taylor and David Hall. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to studio guests Cliff Taylor, David Hall and Marianne Kenny. Jennifer Ryan produced the show with J.J. Vernon as sound engineer. Don't forget you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.